And now, it's time for a Star Trek story. Last time on Star Trek Stories, we were talking about the value of ambition, Aaron. Which leads us to what we're talking about today, a sort of uh, follow-up sequel question. How valuable is accepting where you are? Also invaluable. Also invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. It's part of it all. Mm -hmm. You got to kind of accumulate the data as much as you can. And then amidst all that chaos, try to find your point amidst all that data. Mm. Right. Look at where you are in that moment. That's very valuable, especially when you're looking at where you want to be. Mm. Yeah. So what's the point in being ambitious if you don't know where you are at the moment? Silliness. Well, um, and of course, Star Trek has its own th things to say on this because Star Trek has many thoughts and feelings about things, and um, which is why we talk about them here on Star Trek Stories. Yay! Um, yes, you are listening to episode 32, The Best of Both Worlds, Part 2. I, of course, am your Sterling host. Jaron Hatch, and I'm joined here by my ritzy co-host, Aaron Cole. Hello, Aaron. Putting on the ritz. Putting on the ritz. <laughs> um, yes, we are near the end of our look at the TNG Renaissance. Um, last time, we watched, of course, the best of both worlds. The epic season three finale where Captain Picard gets assimilated by the Borg. <gasps> Um, and now all eyes in America are on TNG. Um, and of course, appropriately, we are bringing back our guest host from last week to watch part two with us back in the captain's chair watching with us this week. We have the very lovely Aaron Hatch on the show once again. Hello, Aaron. Bonjour. Bonjour. It's been so long. How are you? I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. How are y'all? So Gosh. good, y'all. Yeah, not too bad. Been a solid weekend. Um, went and saw Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Oh, that did happen, didn't Th it? That did happen. Oh. Um, yeah, we're going to go see it soon. Yeah, I can safely say it is not the best Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Disney Plus Indiana Jones movie. That's okay. what it is. Okay. Um, cool. That's fine. It has its things, but yeah, well, yeah. Maybe we'll do indie stories at some point. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, well, Aaron, um, thank you for coming back on with us and talking about some Star Trek. Of course, always. Always. You know I would be here crouching in the corner of every episode if I could, just making little goblin noises Star in the Trek back. Star Trek goblin. Yeah. <laughs> what does the Star Trek goblin sound like? <laughs> Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> As you're doing, like you guys missed it because they started like writing. Yeah. And, like, I'm <laughs> assuming scribbling. a ledger. <laughs> It's like a Green God's Goblin, but they're keeping the Star Trek books. I thought it was like a piece of leaf or whatever they could get their hands on. Like, yeah, Star Trek. Oh my my notes. <laughs> um, yes, and we are on a quest to remind Aaron that uh, Next Generation is, of course, the best Star Trek. 
<laughs> so we brought them on for the, uh, the I will feed into your delusions for today. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, so we talked about this um, when you came on for the episode last week. Um, the next generation is not your particular favorite. It's actually relatively low on your Star Trek um, tier list. Uh, and we talked about, you know, the lack of characterization as one of the, or the conflict between the characters as being, um, you called it kind of like a sterile hospital. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of how you feel about TNG. Um, a sad library. <laughs> so, you know, so we talked about what you don't like about TNG um, and why it's not your favorite. I'm curious. So a couple things I want to follow up on that. What is it about you do like about TNG in particular? Um, I have some really quirky stories, but I feel like the whole thing is just so positive about humanity and the future. Um, in a way that makes you just like I, I want this to be true. I want, you know, it really shows the good in people. Um and cooperation and um maybe not diversity so much but like kind of i don't know having an android character trying to explore his humanity on the main cast to me is you know and not in like i I don't know the way they did it specifically i just i really really enjoy like data is definitely one of like the best parts of tng if not secretly the best but um but but (laughs) But yeah, yeah, I, I, I really, I like that. I, 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 I like because it's, it's so different. I feel like so, especially if you watch it now, amongst all of these other shows that are just so dark and brooding and yeah, negative. No one is doing what there's, TNG. there's like no hope. It's just this, and you can see it. Even as much as I dislike the set, you can see it. It's, it's light. You know, there's light everywhere. It's bright. You can see what's going on. You know. Everything about it just points to this, like, the spirit of cooperation and curiosity and science and, I don't know. Every, all the things. Yes. Yeah, just all, all the fun, happy things. Yeah, not to say that's the... No- uh, not to say that nothing uh, ever dark happens on the show. Like, I mean, clearly we're in the middle of this two-parter and, yeah. you know, it gets real dark and there's other dark episodes. As things can get really serious on the show, but there's always this kind of undercurrent of, but we can do it together kind of a thing. It's all exactly. be okay in the end. Yeah. yeah. You never really worry about the characters mm-hmm. like you do in some other shows. Right? Yeah. And, um, and all the all the shows have that to some degree, but Next Generation certainly is probably like the poster child. Oh yeah, of that whole sensibility and um, and we've talked about on the show. Like, I mean, we're we're dedicating um, a good chunk of episodes on our hundred episode list to Next Generation, and by far and away has the most episodes on the list. Um, just because it uh, for uh, for me, it really feels like the linchpin show. Um, around, around which the whole franchise pivots. Um, I'm also curious. So I think you may have met, mentioned real briefly last time, but if not next generation, what is your go-to Star Trek? Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. Nice. 
Is Correct. That, uh, yeah. Well, if, if you like character conflict, <laughs> yeah. No, it's 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 to. it has so many mm. all the time, constantly. Yeah, it's almost like uh, even though they're kind of like companion shows, it it, it is. I don't want. It's not the antithesis, but it's almost the polar opposite <laughs> Star Trek show. Um, even though they're set like in a contemporary kind of world, and you know they're parallel shows to a degree, they're very different. But this one I like because I can see it. It feels more real because like these these people are still majority like they're good people you know they don't seem as blah, as a lot of people nowadays so you can still get that feel and they're future people and they live in this world but they're just but it feels more real yeah. they're actual people and characters that are living in this universe and also the fact that it's away from like the heart of federation space and and stuff and like it's in this part of the galaxy that is, has some shit going on so mm. they have to deal with that and I don't know, it just there's so many conflicts there's big conflicts there's little conflicts there's just and they're all delicious and beautiful mm. well we should probably just Skip to DS9, Skip I agree. Let's right go. To DS9. Let's, let's go. Oh, man. oh, actually, I already oh, brought my uh, Blu ray edition but, of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Funny you say such. And a pizza. A large pizza and a Blu ray DS9. <laughs> um, yeah, of course, we are big Deep Space Nine fans on this show, and we're slowly inching ever closer to Deep Space Nine. We'll get there. We still got, we still got a bit to go, though. Stands. Is what we are. DS9 stands. Oh, hardcore stands. And I know some of the people listening are just like, get to it. Come on. I'm still giving an Enterprise yeah. shout out. And other people are like, <laughs> TNG all the way. <laughs> um, to our question that we asked earlier, do you think there is value in accepting where you are outside of um, this kind of more practical or utilitarian approach where it's like, I'm taking stock where I am so I can decide where I want to go. Is there value outside of that, just in and of itself, accepting where you are? Yeah, I mean, I think you should be able to, life is lived to be enjoyed and lived, and I don't think you can do that if you're not accepting where you are. Otherwise, you'll just be stuck, you know, in this box away from reality, you know, because... You can be in a terrible place, but if you don't accept where you are, I don't think it's you can find the the good mm. of what might be around you. Possibly, uh, mm. if that makes sense, it's hard to put words to what I'm thinking in my head. I mean, it kind of lets you have that like space to kind of find joy, mm-hmm. just wherever you are. Exactly. You know, it's like if you can't be happy, if you're always chasing like something that you think is going to make you happy, you probably actually never will be happy. Yeah. But if you can learn to be happy where you are, no matter where that is. Like, even if it's the smallest things, you can be dissatisfied with where you are in life, but there was, there could, you, if you try to find at least what good you can, where you are mm. and what you have now, then that's, that's important. Mm. That holds value too. Yeah. Just as important as having hope for things to change. And of course, I would assume like what's the what's the potential danger of embracing such a mindset? Maybe too hard. Like, say you're in a bad place, and you come to a a place of 
of self-awareness in that space. Like this is where I am and that's where you take stock and you kind of accept that as your reality. Like, like someone who's deep in a state of addiction or. Oh, and who, who's like, I'll always be here forever. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is what it is. This is what it will always be. No chance to improve. No chance to save myself. That, that, that's, yeah, that's true. Actually. Yeah. I think it's like acceptance with hope versus acceptance without hope Mm. in a way. Mm. Well, let's see if Star Trek helps us find acceptance in where we are. Um, And where we are is in season four of (laughs) Star Trek The Next Generation. (laughs) Um, Yes, we are watching The Best of Both Worlds Part 2. This premiered September 24th, 1990. Um, this is the first episode produced for the fourth season, the big season premiere and resolution to the cliffhanger, uh, cliffhanger from last season. Um, when this episode was first coming out, there was a lot of hype and anticipation around this epi- uh, episode. Basically, throughout the entire summer, this anticipation and hype was just growing and growing and growing. And so suddenly lots of people were now tuning in. It's like, what's going to happen now? Um, where's this show going to go? So... Yeah, now we are. It is almost a switch where they've been recontextualizing and re-energizing the show. We are now basically, and now the show is huge. Michael Pillar did come back as the head writer um, and is also the writer of this episode. He did write part one, but wasn't sure how to resolve the episode because he didn't bother to come up with the resolution because he thought someone else would do it. So. He inherited his own problem. <laughs> um, there, yeah, uh, this is when, uh, so staff writer and future executive producer in Star Trek, Brandon Braga, joined the show around this time. Um, and when he met Michael Pillar, Pillar just introduced himself and said, I, I, I'm trying to figure out how to beat the Borg. I have no idea what to do. But hey, I'm your, I'm your, I'm your boss. <laughs> Um, so that'll be the biggest thing we're looking at in this one is how they pay off or resolve part one. Um, and we will see how they get to complete Riker's journey that they started in, um, part one that where he was deciding whether or not he should move on with his career or stay on with the enterprise. That was kind of like the big emotional crux of the last episode. So those are the two things we're going to be looking at in this one. Um, Right for those of you at home who are listening and are planning to watch with us, Star Trek: The Next Generation is streaming on Paramount Plus. You can find this by bringing up Season Four, Episode One, and we will be back after you watch The Best of Both Worlds Part Two.
I've heard a lot of people talking down in 10 forward. They expect to be dead in the next day or so. They trust you. They like you. But they don't believe anyone can save them. I'm not sure anyone can. When a man is convinced he's going to die tomorrow, he'll probably find a way to make it happen. The only one who can turn this around is you. I'll do the best I can. You're going to have to do something you don't want to do. You have to let go of Picard. Maybe you haven't heard. I tried to kill him yesterday. You tried to kill whatever that is on the Borg ship, not Picard. <sighs> Picard is still here with us, in this room. If he had died, it would be easier, but he didn't. It took him from us a piece at a time. Did he ever tell you why we're so close? No. Oh. Then let me just say that our relationship is beyond friendship, beyond family. And I will let him go. And you must do the same. There can only be one captain. It's not that simple. This was his crew. He wrote the book on this ship. If the Borg know everything he knows, it's time to throw that book away. You must let him go, Riker. It's the only way to beat him. The only way to save him. And that is now your chair, Captain. We just got done watching The Best of Both Worlds, Part 2. Um, in case you haven't seen this or didn't watch it with us, so carrying on from the last episode, um, Captain Picard uh, has been kidnapped by the Borg during their invasion of Earth, uh, leaving uh, Commander Riker in command um, now the captain of the Enterprise and he kind of has to figure out how they're going to defeat uh, the Borg especially with Picard leading the charge and since the Borg have all of Picard's knowledge and kind of has to come to terms with the fact that he's the captain of the Enterprise now um, when all is said and done they are able to rescue Picard um, and uh, defeat the Borg um, Riker goes back to being first officer Picard is back in command um, but we are left with definitely a lingering shot of uh, 
<laughs> Picard contemplating <laughs> what, what has just happened to him. <laughs> yeah, that last shot was a little uh, ominous, to say the least. Oh, my God. Um, all right. Uh, initial thoughts coming off of The Best of Both Worlds Part 2. Aaron, we'll start with you. I almost felt like I was watching one of the TNG movies. Really? Um, there's some, I don't know, the way, there's some music and some, the way things are, I don't know, shot and, mm. and whatever that just really made me think of both Insurrection and First Contact. And so it made me enjoy it even more because I, I am a TNG movie enjoyer. So, but yeah, I thought that was cool. I was like, I never thought, got that feeling before when I watched it, but yeah, very different episode than the first part. Um, big shift into the Borg stuff. Very Borg heavy, this one. Yeah. Um, but in all the best ways? Yeah. Yeah, like, it was, I, it was just, it was really cool, because you go, you go arrive at the, the debris field, um, and then them, the clever plan that they uh, had to get, you know, Picard back, that was great. And then him, like, again, using all of the experience of the team members, like, we have O'Brien there, and... Crusher and Data and even Troy there and Crusher's um, to help <laughs> while everyone else is doing you know on the bridge uh, doing that stuff and the fact that it it ends with like Riker having to make almost basically another an even harder choice yeah. <laughs> suicide run into uh, the yeah. Cube. yeah sir yeah it, it is uh yeah my only real problem with the episode was the fact that suddenly picard is back in his ready room and i'm like no he should still be in like sick bay or something he's got a few bandages on his head it's but like, <laughs> it's like why are, why are you here is that what it is i thought it was like remaining prosthetic from the board i thought it was remaining prosthetics too but that could be bandages too. who knows yeah I, I don't know what that is i think it's supposed to be like yeah what? it could be parts they haven't fully removed yet um, yeah, that's what I always thought it was. It's like the one piece at a time because mm-hmm. I think that shows up a little later with other Borg deconstructions when they're trying to rehabilitate people. Like it's like one piece at a time with the, the cybernetic, the cybernetic yeah. parts. It, you know, it is very kind of it. Like I had that thought cross my mind. It's like this does feel like a kind of you know movie. Um, it's still like a television like show and they got a television budget it, though. You can kind of tell like for these two episodes, the budget's a little higher than it normally is, but it does have that kind of little mini movie feel. Oh, literally just insert first contact insurrection music and then just dim the lights a little. And it's like, this is, this is a TNG movie. Mm, TNG movie. Yeah. Aaron, your thoughts coming off of the best of both worlds part two. Gosh, can it get better than the season finale? Mm. Yes, it can try the season premiere mm. and the two-parter finale like oh my gosh what an episode yeah you enjoyed this part more than the first one i did yeah it's like you said it was much more like movies cinematic the yeah the movie energy got brought to the tv show which mm. they probably could have used more of mm. honestly a little more a little more jj maybe mm. A little more JJ, just a touch, just like a dash just, just of JJ. A touch. Um, I mean, that's hard to do episode week after week, but um, yeah, but it feels very big here for sure. Um, mm. More action heavy, yeah. Um, this one, um, I, I, I am in the camp of um, I like part one more because mm. um, I like the. Char- 
care. The part one is more character heavy, and part two is more action heavy. Yes, but you still get the follow through on, on yes. all those quandaries from the the character drama from the first episode, right? Yeah, which I love. You never see that. Like so many questions get asked in modern TV and never get answered anymore. It's like, <sighs> kind of come on, dissolve. yeah. Like yeah. where did that go? Where did that go? That that wrapped it up beautifully. Mm-hmm. That's why it was so solid. Um, yeah, they, they st- it's all still there. Yeah, it's not like suddenly everything is forgotten. It's just Borg stuff. Um, even though that's much more in the front seat in this episode. Um, I think I just like uh, the part one feels so well. I love the buildup. And uh, this for me feels like a lot of resolution, which makes sense, of course. Um, so as an individual episode, I, I do like part one better. But honestly, it's like, but if you're watching this as just a whole, which really you should, it is just one big, you know, two part episode. Um, I, I think the whole thing on, uh, as a whole is incredibly strong. Uh, what do you think, Aaron? Um, where are you on terms of like, is this on par with the first one? Better, worse? I think they're about the same. They're about just the same for you. Different, different focuses. Focus, different focus. Foci. Right. <laughs> Foci. Foci. I mean, it's it's really act one and two of a two act. Yeah, story. yeah. So I'm hesitant to even try and compare them since it's this one big story, mm-hmm. and one can't work without the other one necessarily. No, this one's completely dependent. Yeah. On the episode that followed. Yeah. So. But this was very exciting, though. Sure. And I think they found a good solution to the problem they had. With the Borg? Yeah. How to be in the story? Yeah. It was interesting and, you know, utilized all the cast members and Mm. I didn't know what was going to happen. Nah, you had forgot. I had forgotten. What do you think about, like, the resolution to, like, the Borg problem, Um, Aaron? It's because it's not like... it, It is not... What they don't do is some big, they don't overpower the Borg. It's not like, they don't beat him with pew-pews. Um, it's kind of more of this surreptitious, sneaky, they're able to identify like a weakness finally in like the Borg. But they also beat them with friendship. With, with, with friendship. friendship. Because with Picard friendship. reached out. And with the power of Riker's decision-making. Like he outmaneuvers the Borg. And... Not just the Borg, but the Borg with Picard. Yeah. Like, as soon as he gets the guidance. Just because they say, they say, oh, but Picard knows everything about it, but but Riker knows Picard, so it's kind of of an even match, you Mm. know, if it's them going against each other. Exactly. It's like, I outsmarted you, I outsmarting. Ho, ho, ho. Mm. Riker gets the edge, though. Yeah, you know, I think uh, my favorite part about this is the tay-to-tay between Riker and Picard, like, because now, like, there's this kind of, and uh, Michael Piller wrote it as kind of like, this is like a father versus son kind of a thing, where it's like, you know, the son has to, you know, defeat the father figure that's always been there for him in order to, like, save and redeem him. So it's kind of like a Vader-Luke Skywalker thing, kind of, where it's like... But Riker's already kind of defeated that at this point, so it's more like a master versus student. Like a pupil. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, kind of a thing. Yeah, I like that. And it is interesting in the scenes, even though the Picard, uh, the Borg have this group consciousness, Picard, 
as Locutus gets in those kind of like, he refers to himself as I, and then we'll get in like incorrect strategy, number one. Like there's this kind of personal dynamic to it. Like there's enough Picard in there that it, it so they are going head to head against each other. Um, that's interesting to watch. And then especially when like, um, I think my favorite scene in this is when Guinan comes in. Yep, and I was going to say, him, another solid Guinan scene. Yeah, the two best scenes in these episodes, the Guinan. Um, we haven't really oh, by the good... way, I'm going to come in and steal the show. <laughs> Sit in the captain's chair. And, <laughs> um, she she usually has scenes with like Picard, but this was a good Riker Guinan scene where she's like, you have to let him go. Because um, in the scene before, Riker is like, you can tell he's really nervous and he's like, he's giving the speech to the crew. It's like, I can't, I can't replace captain Picard. That, that and I don't know. I don't know what he would say, you know? And then Guinan's like, Hey, you Picard has to go. Like you're running the show now. You could write a book about all the things that went right from before that scene to after that scene. And like mm-hmm. Jonathan mm-hmm. Frake's performance and, and yeah, just the energy, the shift to the next act. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Um, you know, one, one point of a little bit of disappointment it, again, it, it, everything from part one shows back up in this one. The, but one thing that for me is noticeably absent is, um, I don't feel there is a full resolution to the Riker Shelby thing. It's still in the episode and you see them kind of like, okay, but like she doesn't have nearly as much to do in this one. She becomes first officer and then they're so laser focused on Riker being captain now. And then like at the end, defeating the Borg that Shelby's whole kind of arc kind of. I had that thought maybe in the third act a little bit. She was in the shots, but she she wasn't doing anything. She was just reacting to stuff that other people were doing. Yeah. They gutted her potential a little bit her presence from the first from the first part of the episode but to be fair there was a lot going on in this episode and right. if you're gonna cut some screen time for someone it's gonna be like the guest star not, to be fair. not, to be fair. not the, the, the second yeah it makes it makes complete sense like why and like it's just it's just kind of one of those like like if they had more time I would have liked to see that continue to be yeah. fleshed out. In part one, she feels more like a force. Mm-hmm. Like sh- Commander Shelby is here. Yeah. Um, and in this one, like as, as soon as she becomes first officer, which is pretty near the beginning, it's like she more or less then just basically fills the first officer role rather than being like Commander Shelby. Kind of what, what, what Riker would normally do in some of these kind of big episodes, just kind of fill in the first officer roles kind of what she ends up doing which again it makes sense it works it's a bit of a shame to drop that uh conflict that Riker and her had from the first episode they did kind of come to seeing eye to eye at the end it's probably because things are so dire and it's like they have to they have move to. quick it's like you yeah. have to get along like you just totally and yeah. that was that was kind of in there in that moment too yeah. like we have to move on from this if mm-hmm. we're gonna succeed mm-hmm but they still really work together like when you're seeing him on the bridge as like captain and first officer you don't even question it. Yep. They feel supernatural. And you could see, like, I could see this being the show. Di- again, different, but uh, even just in just like the the really functional, just bridge stuff, 
it's they're seamless together as like a one-two punch but maybe give her some lines give her something her part was greatly reduced yeah you know in the second episode that sucks what are what are what are the thoughts on like the um do we does this do we feel this is a adequate resolution to the Riker storyline um started in part one yeah, I mean, it seems a little sudden at the end, but uh, especially because he had no time. Well, he didn't seem to have much time, but maybe a lot of it was just internal. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, he's right. I think, I think him like getting a taste of the captain's seat and then getting his captain back made him realize that I was like, you know what? Actually, I just like being his first officer. I actually, I love that point because I feel like they addressed that in that moment when he sits down in the captain's chair after that amazing scene with Guinan. And he has but a moment. He like he relishes it for a second, and then it's like, Captain, we need you on the bridge, and he goes, and he doesn't have any time, right? He just has to be the captain, and he is from that moment on. Mm-hmm. It's so beautifully done. Mm-hmm. Every time Riker has to face Picard, especially on the view screen, or something, or he's about to face Picard, the Borg, and he turns away from the crew, the sadness and the the desperation and like the hopelessness on his face all shows. Mm-hmm. It's all there. As opposed to when he's like facing the crew and talking with people and he's, he's like gung-ho and full shatter about it, you know. Mm. Very interesting performance. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's another thing about being captain is you you have to be strong for the crew mm-hmm. regardless of how you feel, which mm-hmm. sucks. Um, yeah, you know, and like going to our question from earlier, this ex- uh, accepting where you are... Um, I think, yeah. This, the, why well, I think why this episode in particular is uh, fun because, um, it it would be easy to think that like accepting where you are could potentially just lead to this like being com- too comfortable where you are, which is what he was kind of wondering about himself in part one. But suddenly, this idea of accepting where you are, um, is realizing now I am the captain. He's not the first officer anymore. Um, this is where he is now, and that's what he has to be. Um, it's a fun kind of dynamic, like emotional conflict to kind of consider. And, you know, the title specifically is referring to Riker does end up getting, in quotes, the best of both worlds because it's like, oh, I want to be – I do want to be a captain and move on with my career, but I want to stay on the enterprise. And then he gets that, but it's not what he was expecting it to be. So even when he gets everything he wants, he still kind of realizes he has to check in with himself and he has to step up in a way that he didn't think he would have to. Very real. Um, yeah, just kind of interesting how both like ambition and accepting where you are uh, can still take you to places you don't expect. And it's going to. <laughs> Every time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so maybe, yeah, I, 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 you know, personally I wish they we could see some of that. I, I like more the character stuff than, say, the action stuff. But all the action stuff, I mean, is handled so well. Like that rescue scene is a really fun beat. Um, the, the stuff where Data's trying to hack into Picard – I think, well, besides the Guinan scene, I think the the scenes with Data there, you know, with Picard, I think are my favorite parts 
of the episode. Yeah. He plays that really well. Processing. Processing. Stand by. Uh, stand by. Um, yeah, you know, Brent Spiner as Data hasn't had a, really a lot to do in these episodes until he gets the climax with Picard at the end. He's the one who has to go reach him at the end. Um, yeah. Picard's still, like, clinging to him. Sleep. Full rig of mortis. Data. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I like that too. He plays that really well. It could have been, it would have been really easy for that stuff to kind of end up being boring. Um, but yeah, he, he is really in in the moment trying to sell it. He does a good job. Kudos on Brent Spiner, the other best part of <laughs> Star mm-hmm. Trek: The Next mm-hmm. Generation. We don't talk about him enough. Um, and what's the feeling on like the Borg in this episode? Um, especially after part one where they just felt like such a doomsday end of the world threat. Did they maintain that same level of threat here? Um, since this one is, and this episode is much more focused on the board stuff. What's the feeling on how do they work in this part two in particular? I think for the most part, I, I, I was a little confused, like, why is it taking them so long to, like, destroy the battle, like, the the non-saucer section? Mm. I was like, shouldn't they just be getting, like, obliterated? Why are they putting a tractor beam? Like, why? I don't know. But maybe that's just because I can see how fast the Borg destroy ships in, like, future Well, even things. in this, when, like, the Mars defense perimeter. Oh, yeah, insta- one-shotted. <laughs> Dead. <laughs> that was the Mars defense. <laughs> oh my god that was so funny these are Russian MiGs 20 from 40 50 years ago <laughs> retrofitted for space travel <laughs> three of them <laughs> they're still using those you have three fighters defending earth yeah uh, hilarious I mean they had the uh, Starfleet but not uh, the battle of Wolf 359 but I think we're spread a little thin we're all a little thin now yeah on the front and they all just get completely destroyed by the Borg yeah, why why does it seem so hard for the Borg to just destroy the Enterprise, but everything else? Because they lose shields like immediately, but I then know. but then every time they come against them, but <laughs> then they're still alive. And then let's do our slow cutting beam, but for other things, one shot, one shot, one shot, one shot, yeah, one shot. Pl- plot armor, a little bit of plot armor there. Yeah. Oh, but otherwise, time. <laughs> but otherwise, yeah, yeah, the scene where they're flying through the remnants of the fleet, especially when Shelby's giving the names and she names the Melbourne, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, and they then seeing have the about 20 minutes to, to do all that damage to be foul. To be, to be fair. And then seeing the, yeah, those, the, the Mars defense get one shotted. Yeah. Pew, pew, pew. Uh, also with the Borg, how do we feel? We haven't really talked about him too much, which is kind of funny. How do we, so, but he's much more prominent in this episode. Uh, how does Patrick Stewart work as, the villain locutus oh i love him yeah i think he's great yeah i think also him i don't know i i just know that him being like an old shakespeare stage actor just like helped with that because just this presence he had big presence you know huge presence yeah Uh, it was really great yeah it'd be easy for the to just be super robotic Mm -hmm. which is how the borg up until he becomes you know, Locutus, that's kind of how they are, just this kind of robotic thing coming after them. He's able to put in a little bit of 
gravitas. Mm-hmm. You will be. You will all become one with the Borg. Incorrect strategy, number one. Oh, I love the way he says yes. number one. It's just filled with so much. There's so much there. And that little moment where you see him crying. Oh, yeah. That's uh, dark. That was heavy. I was like, jeez. Oh, it's such a just like, a, oh, my God. And then that scene at the end, he doesn't say anything when, like, when they're all in the ready room at the end and like Shelby's like, okay, I'm leaving. Thanks for everyone for the good time. And Riker's like, yeah, I'm going to stay on the ship too. And Picard's there during that whole scene. But if you really pay attention to his performance, like he's, he's putting on a brave face. He's not really there. He's, but you can tell something is a little off about him. And then as soon as they leave and he's about to drink his tea and he just kind of just turns into that silent, he doesn't say anything, but Oh my God, he communicates. I don't know. He able he communicates so much in that moment, just just by standing and looking into the the eternal nothingness. <laughs> oh, just, yeah, just the energy switch in that scene compared to the rest of the entire episode. It's so different. Mm-hmm. Also, a great lead into the next episode. The next episode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the music also carries that moment as well. And again, also kudos once again, kudos to Ron Jones. Yeah, the soundtrack was great. We should also uh, briefly talk about, this is the first two-parter we've watched on the show. Really? Uh, yeah. We haven't watched any two-parters. And in fact, this is only the second two-part episode the franchise has done up to this point. What's the, the first one? The Menagerie. Oh. And the original series, Menagerie 1 and 2. Um, and they haven't done a two-parter since then until this one. Um, and, you know, especially TNG is, you know, famous for its episodic structure. Um, yeah. And, and of course, this kind of paves the way for more of these kind of big two-parters. Um, what's the feeling on how Next Gen does with this? Especially looking at this one, doing these kind of bigger two-part episodes. I mean, it definitely deserved that that much time. Yeah. And even then it was not even enough. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, I, and I think they structured it really well. And it being the season finale and then the season premiere really really worked like mm-hmm. even more so. Like it wouldn't have like if it was just waiting a week, it wouldn't have really hit the same at all. Mm-hmm. Um what do you think Aaron on like how does how are they doing how like this is a two-parter? It's like a low floater and a, a grand slam home run. Like mm-hmm. just what the fact that it came from so many different minds, mm-hmm. like from beginning to end and it ended up in that. It's like, bravo guys. Well done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they do a really good job. Um, and really shows. Yeah. You, Cause you know, sometimes there's like, you know, should, should Star Trek be more serialized? There's always like, you know, multiple camps in this. It's like, is Star Trek better when it's episodic? Is it better when they serialize it? There's something about these two parters that I think works really well for Star Trek. Um, when you want to kind of do some of these bigger, bigger stories. Um, and this one in particular, I think, you know, they try to do the season cliffhanger every season after this. So from from this point on, every uh, season um, ender is a cliffhanger, and then the part two is. And while there's still some good ones, I don't think any of them quite 
match this. Um, this one is definitely not just good, but exceptional. <laughs> um, should we do a little behind the scenes before we get into final thoughts? Ooh, I love behind the scenes. Yeah, Michael Piller came up with the solution to beating the Borg like two days before they started filming. He was like, I don't know what we're going to do. It's like, it can't just be like pew-pews, so. Rewrites. Rewrites. They're just like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And eventually they, st- he's like, I, it's, it's, it has to be, they stumble upon something, some kind of weakness. And so they stumbled upon this idea of like their interdependency, like the thing that makes them so powerful is also potentially their weakness, which seems obvious, but. <laughs> not when you're trying to figure out how to beat these guys and I mean you have to gain access in some way mm-hmm. um, there must be a way and then just putting them to sleep data sleep with your primitive android form um but um when out when all was said and done uh Michael Piller has gone on record with feeling a bit disappointed with part two. He, he he personally didn't feel like the resolution quite lived up to what they set up in part one. And that has been some of the general consensus in the fandom that part two isn't as good as part one. But as a whole, this is one of the best stories the, that they do in Star Trek. Um, I think Cliff Bull, who directed both of these, also echoes similar things. He didn't he thought the ending was a cop out. Let's just put him to sleep. Um, but I'm like, what else are you going to do? I mean, I thought that was genius. Um, he was, I mean, he still, po- he, he loved do- directing both of these and, and in particular with part two, he loved that it was more of the action thing and he wanted to get to do a bigger kind of action set piece thing for Star Trek. Cause so much of the show up to this point was more of like the, the, the philosophical, ethical quandary storytelling and he really wanted to get in there and like no but we can do like some really big so he loved doing part two but did feel like the ending was a cop out oh no i loved it i thought i thought putting them to sleep was a great idea Mm. and it's it's funny now how data's like this is a non-priority system you know for for all their smarts and whatever you know to not consider that everyone uh, all of them regenerating at the same time might, might be a weakness, you know. Mm-hmm. I like that they can be exploited that way because they're not perfect. No. Despite their search for perfection. They get hacked. They get hacked by Data. Thank God mm-hmm. Data's there. It's like, yeah, they wouldn't have done it without him. Yep. Master hacker. <laughs> Thank God Data's here. Just like, everyone's like, three cheers for Riker. And Data's just like... <laughs> It's a good thing I don't feel any emotion (laughs) or I'd be pretty fucking jaded right now. (laughs) Jordy, what does it feel like to be enraged? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. All right, yeah, any final thoughts on The Best of Both Worlds? Part two? Just really enjoyed it. I definitely felt like I was watching a TNG movie. Yeah, still holds up, lives up to the hype. Yeah, and now I I really want to go watch the next episode. Okay, so it's official, folks. Next generation is the best Star Trek show. Oh. <laughs> you heard it here. You heard it here. Um, Aaron has agreed. <laughs> Aaron hates Star Trek. <laughs> so someone come save me, please. <laughs> I'm being held here against my will. <laughs> please, Voyager, give me Voyager. Please. 
Um, Aaron, final thoughts on Best of Both Worlds Part 2? It feels like a missed opportunity to have Picard a Borg for longer. Mm. Right, like you just got him right back, you know? Do you think if, yeah, so, you know, a lot of these modern Star Trek shows, they they do like these 10 episode seasons and, you know, there might be like a big recurring plot. Do you think if they were doing this now, it would be like a whole season where like Picard is the boar, like 10 episodes? At least half a season. Okay. Right. There's some meat on that bone. They could have explored it because it's so devastating. Like what a shocker from that season finale. They could have explored that a little more. Yeah, because I honestly, because also if he had been a Borg longer, they might not have been able to connect disconnect with him, him you know, mm-hmm. and disconnect him as easily. You know, he wouldn't have been able to give them the hinter, you know. I mean, yeah, but it, like without the context of everything we know now, they're yeah. exploring the Borg kind of for the first time. They kind of could have done whatever. It's true. That's mm-hmm. true. I mean, you, we still, I mean, it, this is still early 90s TV this is the first two-parter they've ever done so they are still very much limited by the kind of show they have to pump out week after week so um i feel like i feel like this is as good as doing something like this could possibly be with what they have to work with for this show and i mean they do have that follow the follow-up episode where he goes back to earth that kind of focuses you know on him so they don't completely drop it yeah no, and yeah, this is one of these things that like it's not like this is never brought back up again. Yeah. This is part of his character. Yeah, which is great. Which is great. I'm glad they point on. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thank you, Arn, for coming on and watching both of these episodes with us. Of course. Really fun. Um, I told you we'd get you in for a better one. <laughs> so, so between best of both worlds and a land of Troyes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's no contest in line of choice. Yeah. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Finally, someone motion. who understands. <laughs> Talk about an episode that needed to be a two-parter. <laughs> he gets uh, infected by the love potion, and then I love you. <laughs> Got to wait till next season. Ooh. Two people are watching the show at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would be content to never see a line of choice ever again. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, no, I would, I would like to see this one again. Yeah, you know, is... especially if it fades from my memory once again because of my TNG disease. Even this one fades. Yeah, I literally did not remember any of that. Even as we're talking, it's just slipping away. What are we talking about? <laughs> Star Trek Picard season three. Oh, guys, are we gonna do the episode? Like, are we yeah. gonna watch? Yeah, guys, I'm, I'm ready. Star Trek uh, bust both worlds. We've been waiting hours. Oh, Dead ass have already kind of forgotten the lieutenant commander's name. What's her name? Blake. Sh- Shelby. Shelby. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you, Aaron. Um, Aaron, as always, thank you. Thank you, Jaren. Thank you, Aaron. Um, and thank you all at home. Um, for listening to our silly podcast. Um, next week, we are going to be wrapping up our look at the TNG Renaissance. Um, and, you know, we when I was originally putting together this list, this could have been the end. Like I said, this was kind of like a culmination. But there's one episode after this that I feel like has to be the, the real note we go out on. Um, and... Arn, you've brought it up a couple times already. Next week, we are going to be watching Family, um, 
while, and this is not a sequel to this episode, but it is essentially an epilogue um, to this episode. Um, and, you know, we just had this big two-part thing, but the and Family is just a regular, just single episode, but um, Family, this one, it was a very unique and unusual episode for the franchise um, at this point. Um, so I think it's going to be a fun, interesting one to kind of go out on for this section of the podcast. Um, and we will be bringing on a new friend to talk about that one with us. Um, we are getting one of our, um, one of our first listeners of the podcast is going to be coming on to talk about family with us. So that'll be a lot of fun. You'll have, Woo, to, you'll, new, you'll have to tune in to find out who. New guest. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Um, thank you all for listening. The next week, family. Um, and then until then, we will see you all later. Okay. Bye. Bring. Cheers. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to share us your own Star Trek story, you can email us at storiedstartrek at gmail.com, or you can visit our Discord server. You can find us by clicking on the link in the show description.